0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody, and uh, shocker, I know it's raining and storming once again. It seems like it's been doing that, what, the past three weeks here in Auburn Opelika? I'm over it, and I'm sure you are as well, but happy Monday. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend uh, to all the fathers out there. Happy late Father's Day yesterday. Uh, I was able to go up and, and spend Father's Day with my dad in Birmingham, so I was excited to, uh, to be able to do that and so hope you all had a good weekend again a happy father's day to all of you out there celebrating uh it's monday here on the uh, monday edition of on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back here on espn 1067 i'm jacob going alongside me as always is carter bird carter happy monday brother how are you doing all
2: right man it's uh it's been an interesting weekend just because we had a lot of uh College World Series games that were awesome, we had yeah. the U.S. Open, Auburn had a big recruiting weekend, all of the above, and here we are in in studio here on this uh, rainy Monday. Man, can I just say this, why did all the rain for like the last month hit us in like five days?
1: I know, and it's not just rain, it's like thunderstorms, yeah. it's just like yeah, storms all day and night, man, keeping me up at night, and look, I'm a pretty deep sleeper, but they woken me up two or three times over the past yeah. week.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the uh, same way for sure. It, what's interesting is, um, <laughs> I this is just an, an observation, and I don't know if Graham watches because you, you know, I watch F- Formula One, you right, know? right. I don't know if Graham does. I know you don't, but uh, it's always interesting whenever like an auto race of some capacity. Whenever it's raining, like, yeah, it might rain enough to make them go like call the race for for a bit. It's never like thunder and lightning, and I don't know how they always have that look. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's always just a heavy, just set-in rain. I guess I've never really noticed it. Did that happen this oh, weekend? Oh, yeah, it rained all weekend in, in Canada. I was about to say the, it was in Canada, right? For uh, Formula One race.
1: I really would like to get to get into it more. I mean, I know Watch it's a growing... Netflix show. I know. I haven't. I'll admit. I have not watched it yet. It, I know it's a growing thing. I mean, I know it is really, really growing because of the Netflix show or, or, or documentary, and and I know people are, are really into it. I know a lot of people enjoy it because of all the technical side of things, right? There's just so much happening rather than four left turns, right? I think it's just yeah. it's so much different than NASCAR.
2: That's, that's kind I mean, NASCAR obviously has some road races and stuff where it's a little more complex, but the... um, And then it's kind of like IndyCar. You've got a mix of... A bigger mix of both. But the fact that... Each track so different, and you can run into weird. It's strategy so much bigger, and the the like tire management, all that crazy stuff. And I think they're making some slow positive changes to make it more fun. Because right now, Max Ver, Verstappen is just utterly dominant. See, I don't
1: know anything about F one, and I know exactly who that is. So that just shows how dominant he is, man. I saw a picture. It was actually this weekend. I saw a picture of. Uh, I guess it was a steering wheel out of a Red Bull car or something. Whatever it was, steering wheels are totally different. It was unbelievable looking. Like this thing, it, it almost looked like if you've ever gone, you know, if you've ever gone to the beach, right? And you go and you go to uh, the the go kart track and you're racing a go kart. It looks like a go kart wheel on steroids. There are buttons all over this thing and switches and knobs and all types of stuff on an F1 race car steering wheel. I don't know how you keep up with all of that, and it's all technology-based. you got to know what's going on with your car, with the track, more than you do, I feel like, in any other racing sport like that. And so, yeah, I saw that picture this weekend. I was like, that's unbelievable. Not only are you going, what, 180 miles an hour, whatever they do, you got to know all your little buttons and gears on the steering wheel. That's unbelievable. Honestly,
2: you you kind of run into some tracks because of just how they're designed. Kind of this weekend was... Somewhat kind of like that just because of the weather and the fact that everybody knew uh, Red Bull was going to dominate. But when it starts to rain, you can get some interesting qualifying moments. Like you had a dude in one of the worst cars on the track. Uh, He was the only person in the rain to go on what they call slick tires, the ones that don't have the grooves to, to divert water. And he found one singular line, just dry line on the entire track, and posted the the fastest time and all this and it was it was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, that is cool. The the reason why you know Max Verstappen is he's one month older than I am, and he currently I believe he sits uh, tied for the fifth most wins in the history of Formula One. That's how dominant he's been in his eight years. I and mean, it Re- a- really really last four years. That's a decent resume. I mean, it's decent.
1: Not not I mean. I've seen
2: better. I not mean, really. I mean, that's if, unbelievable. If he continues the pace he's on, he's going to blow every record. Yeah,
1: ever. shatter every record ever put in place. Well, uh, I know you were watching that. I did not. But again, maybe somebody can convince me to to get into that more of F one. over the okay,
2: weekend. Here's here's what you do. This is just because Netflix is so good at creating these. Actually, right now, rewatch Full Swing. Yeah. Then watch Drive to Survive and the tennis one. I haven't finished the uh, tennis one yet. Okay. Um but i think that would be your best avenue too because honestly drive to survive especially early on is way better than full swing and full swing's really good really
1: okay well i've been telling people even if you're not a golf person to watch full swing because it's just
2: that good by the way i absolutely hate this quarterback thing that netflix is trying to do i saw that i have that? It? it's it's marcus mariota um it's Patrick Mahomes. Is it I'm the same the, style of show? They're trying to do the same type of thing where they okay. follow around, but it's it's three random quarterbacks. I saw oh, the do, list. Yeah, well, it's two random quarterbacks with Pat Pat Mahomes. Um, yeah, and I
1: mean it could work, and obviously you're going towards football, the the most popular sport in the United States. So I get that, and the other shows have been successful from what I've heard. So I how mean, about
2: how about the credit to Netflix for You know, you've got like drive to survive, full swing. I forget what the tennis one is, but like some sort of kind of catchy, whether it's pun or like phrase that applies to the show. You know what the quarterback one is called? Quarterback. Wow.
1: (laughs) And you know what? Somebody got paid a lot of money to come up with that title. It
2: follows (laughs) uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Who are the other ones? is Mariota, Mahomes, right? Kirk, Kirk Cousins Kirk and Marcus Cousins? Ma- Mariota. Oh, Kirk Cousins no. and Marcus Mariota are two of like Oh no. two guys that I I don't care what they do. I saw Patrick from, Mahomes was away from it. the field. But I'm with you. Who But also Pat Mahomes like how many people are going to hate watching cuz they hate his family. Yeah. <laughs>
1: his yeah, his girlfriend and his brother and, and Well, his, his wife. Her wife now. Wife, sorry, yeah. excuse me. His wife And his now, brother but... and
2: that's a the whole thing in and of yeah, itself yeah it is
1: well and, and that's what's entertaining and that's what brings in the ratings and brings in the money and so uh if you're if you're interested in, in watching those go for it um but I, I'm, i'll check out the quarterback one why not i'll check it out uh when it does come out but hey we are underway here on the monday edition of on the line haven't really gotten to a uh, actual topic yet but hey great conversation yeah, so far I threw us for a uh, loop there i'm here for it man it's a monday <laughs> look it's a monday with no and i with
2: the uh, weather
1: yeah, it did. It did. And, it, and the weather, because that's all it's done is storm and rain for the last three weeks here in Auburn. But, hey, let's get to the phone lines before we start talking a little college baseball. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Happy Monday, man.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, happy Monday to y'all. I hope y'all had a good weekend. You too, Ed. Uh, I, I I just kind of... Three things I was going to just touch on. I'll try to make them quick. When y'all talk about racing, have mm-hmm. y'all, have either of y'all ever had the chance to go up to uh, Birmingham and Irondale to the Barber Motor Speedway?
2: I have not. I've I've always heard about it. Uh, I mean, I've I've I think I've played golf up there, and I've I've heard racing going on or practice going on there before while playing at a golf course near, nearby.
3: Yeah, they have they have some really neat you know road races and, and motorcycle races and such and it's just a I mean it's a really really nice you know it's the Barber family from
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, from Barber's Milk. and he, he's got a museum there of motorcycles that used to be in downtown Burnaby But
2: oh, it's yeah. I, I didn't realize it's back on the the IndyCar series uh, calendar now. It 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 went off oh, it for for a year I think, but it's back mm-hmm. on.
3: Well, Cole, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really, and, and it's a, you'd enjoy going there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to mention that. And I, uh, one other thing with, with Father's Day, just getting over it, uh, you know, and everybody thinking, and we all, you know, me, everybody, I think, uh, hopefully, you know, well, not everybody, but, you know, your father kind of helps. You look to people older than you to kind of help. You know, yeah, helped me, and I was just with with what's going on with sports right now. It seems like uh, you know, starting back a few years back, but it seems like the the players are wanting to be more important than the coach, and and and, and it, this even comes from like, high school players, you know, and I just. I just think that the the really good teams, you know, uh, you've got to have some leadership. Yeah, uh, you mm-hmm. don't need to much, run, run. You know what I'm saying? No, no, you I got that. you. I
1: got you. And I think it's an interesting point. And I think mm-hmm. in the year of 2023 where, uh, and I bring this up all the time, where the internet and social media is so big Athletes, whether it's in the high school ranks, college, professional, whatever, they... Not only do they feel that this way, but they are just bigger than ever. They're more popular yeah. than ever, they're bigger than Social ever. Social media. So, NIL. Yeah, exactly. They're just they get so much exposure and they get so much influence from outside and they get so much feedback, right? They yeah. feel that they are just
2: it, right? And and, and I'm not yeah. saying it's the right thing, but no, I'm with you, man. And, you got to have leadership, no doubt. And I think it's something that permeates from the professional level down i think mm-hmm. in, in the nfl and the nba uh you see it especially not as much in major league baseball just because i'm not sure major league baseball really has figured out how to truly market it's it's superstars i mean You're we are right about we, that mike trout shohei shohei is a maybe one of the most athletically just freakishly gifted people we've seen in sports the past hundred years and yet we I still don't feel like he gets the shine I mean he's leading his team in everything but saves I believe is the is the stat right now but um, you see these athletes at the professional level kind of talking about building a brand building up social media following and I think it's something that permeates down from there I think that's you you especially see it in basketball it's becoming more of a thing in uh football I mean if they think about a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster when he got to the NFL. He was nineteen, twenty years old because he was super young. I can't rem- remember why, but he built a giant following on social media, and now you've got guys kind of trying to follow that mold as we as we move forward.
3: Yeah, and and if you look at you know the the several attempts lately, you know the, the last six or eight years, you know, uh, and and athletes trying to build their own team and whatever without the it, it doesn't really work out that well most of the times but yeah you know i just think you need some structure in anything I, but anyway guys war you will have a great day yeah appreciate the call
1: ed good to hear from you here on uh, a monday afternoon 334-321-1390 we'd love to hear from anyone else as well and and that's an interesting conversation i think because you know for take the last 20 years, right? When we've really taken, you and I have really taken in sports in the last 20 years. When you look at the NFL or the NBA or MLB, I know not as much like you said, but I agree with what you said as it almost trickles down from the professional level down through. And 20 years ago, it was still, especially the NBA and the NFL, just how big and popular they are and the athletes are in their own sport. It's a very individualistic Yeah, sport. I mean, LeBron James or, or, you know, Tom Brady or whatever, right? You see these individuals who are so big, so important. And also, I think a really, really important factor here in professional sports, they're all adults. Everybody's a grown man, grown woman, right? You're dealing with a grown man or woman at the head coach position. But now you're dealing with a grown man or woman at your point guard, your quarterback, your defensive end, whatever it may be. Whereas in college, you're dealing with a teenager slash young adult. And in high school, you're still dealing with kids. And the leadership factor that Ed was talking about in high school, when the head football coach says, hey, go take a lap, the you know, back in the day, the kid would go take a lap. I think you've started to see that change, whatever, because kids mm-hmm. do feel like And there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with this. I'm just saying it's just, that's just how the world works now. There is a little bit more pushback than there used to be, but at the, you know, 90% of the time, that kid's going to take off and take a lap. Now, in college, most of the time, it would be the same thing. But man, in the NFL, that dude could very easily look the coach in the face and say, I'm not doing that. Hmm. And the repercussions may not be as great. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big part of it. But again, I go back to what I told Ed is, with social media and just the popularity of athletes nowadays and the feedback they get and the criticism they get as well, their name just grows and they truly feel that they are just bigger than they ever have been before as an individual player.
2: Well, yeah, and, and they've we've seen athletes get more and more power in, in their uh, respective fields or whatever it is, the professional level. I mean – in the NBA, you've got guys forcing their way out of town when yeah. they've got three years left on a deal, and crazy stuff like that. Uh, NFL, you've got—I mean, there's talk right now about guys sitting out this next year because they don't want to be franchise tagged, especially at the running back position. Mm-hmm. We've seen that. We've seen that happen before. Didn't work out for for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, may have brought about the end of his career a little bit faster than it would have if he had just played. But you know, I mean, we see stuff like that happen. Uh, at the college level it it's still true a little bit there because you can't for years and years, especially in football, you know you had that that hard tough coach that's gonna tell you how it is and he and you're gonna do what he says you're gonna like a big tough guy you're gonna shut up and do what he does right you can't really do that now you you can't do that now because if you do that player x is gonna hop in the portal. And he's gonna go to your biggest rival or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Like they, those are real things that happen now. Um, I when when we talked about players being more and more of the, I guess, focus or they're being bigger than the coaches now. Think about the NFL. I mean, who are your who are your top five quarterbacks right now? Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Who else? I, I know I'm missing some people. Uh but for Justin Herbert and um Joe Burrow, for instance, name I mean, how many people can name their head coach? Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean it's it's Staley and it's Zach Taylor, but but <laughs> we have don't to really know, that. know that. you don't really know. <laughs> no, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, uh you can do the same thing. I mean, you can kind of do the same thing in Philly with with Jalen Hurts. And I you think... can do the same thing, um, who was it that just uh, changed? Well, Jacksonville. I mean, that's a little easier because Doug Peterson's a Super Bowl winning coach. Pat Mahomes is different because Andy Reid's been such a fixture around the game. But when you look at these top quarterbacks, it's a lot easier to come up with them. Or when you when you look at these NFL teams, it's a lot easier to come up with the top quarterbacks than it is... The coaches of their teams well think about in
1: professional sports and I know we're, we're up against a break but think about professional sports the saying today is it's a star driven league right whether you're talking about the NBA I know that's where that is usually used but professional sports are a star driven league and there's a reason everybody knows who LeBron James is but you probably can't name their head coach or or whoever but I think it goes even beyond professional sports I think you get that way Maybe not college football as much because the fans are just so passionate and even college basketball too, but like, especially in high school sports, man, with the big names that are out there in high school football, basketball, when it comes to recruiting, nobody really knows the coaches unless you're in the hometown or if you're just in a state like Alabama, Texas, Georgia, whatever, that has huge high school football. But you know what I'm saying? I'm piggybacking off of what you said. The athletes make it but the coaches are still extremely necessary with leadership and guidance. I I believe that, and I'm with Ed on that. We appreciate the call, Ed. That's an interesting conversation you sparked up here on a Monday afternoon. We'd love to hear from you as well, 334-321-1390. We'll get into question of the day. It's Monday. What's the worst and best thing we saw in sports over the weekend? We'll talk about it on the other side here on the Monday edition of On The Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All
1: right, question of the day here on the Monday edition of On The Line. We do it every Monday. We preview it on Friday and then we talk about it on Monday. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you on the phone lines best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend we'll get into some of it here uh, in the first hour we'll talk some more about it later on in hour number two but carter do you want to start off for me man burst best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend
2: Uh, i mean i'll start with the the best things that i saw um that braves offense this weekend was awesome you better believe it scored so many runs as a four game sweep of the colorado rockies and we'll talk more about it later wanted to mention that and then cultural series has been pretty damn exciting it's
1: been awesome man it's been awesome and that's one of the uh it, we'll talk about the college world series as well because there's a game going on right now stanford and tennessee in the elimination game uh, coming into this game though all but one game has been decided by one run so far this weekend in the college world series and that is, I mean, that's all you need to know about how exciting the games have been, how close they've been, uh, how competitive they've been in Omaha. And I think they, they did a really, really good job of getting the field. I mean, I know that it was determined by the teams, but I mean, when all but one game are determined by a single run, that means it's pretty well balanced so far, and and it's been a lot of fun. And, again, we'll talk some more about Omaha coming up in just a little bit. Best and worst things I saw this weekend in sports. What's your worst thing? Yeah. <laughs> or wait, I, I, I guess you've, well, you've,
2: already, you've already hit your, your best thing, right?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, that is, uh, that's one of the best things for me. Yes, that is. Uh, that was the best thing I saw was all the games being decided, all but one being decided by one run in Omaha. Uh, just I can't express how awesome that is to watch. The worst thing I saw this weekend in sports, both of them in the game of golf. Uh, The U.S. Open, of course, was this weekend. And I do want to recap that at some point today as well. The thing that I saw at the U.S. Open, I saw very, very little good things this weekend. The worst thing I saw was the lip out on 18. And if you haven't seen the video, go watch it. Google it. Look it up. You'll be able to find it. This was unbelievable. This was unbelievable. It was, the leaders are not teed off yet yesterday at the U.S. Open. It was still in the in the midday coverage, right? Um, it, it Did it impact the tournament? Nope, not at all. Did it get a lot of coverage?
2: Nope, not at all. But it was a major disappointment for me. I think me. it got more coverage than you thought on social media. I thought there were a lot of people talking about it and talking about how, I mean, Luke Donald, the the Team Europe captain for the Ryder Cup, he came out and talked about how this is unacceptable. And so here's what happened:
1: it was it was one of the amateurs that was playing in the U.S. Open. You know which one it was, right? Right. Yeah. I'm just. It was the Mountain Brook kid. Was, right. It was the Mountain Brook kid. And <laughs> I, just, I just want to put no, that out. There. I, I did. I know. Hey, I'm <laughs> I'm giving him his credit. Don't you worry. So yes, this we can refer to him as the Mountain Brook kid. I don't know if he'd like that, but. <laughs> He's going to be really good, man. (laughs) He is going to be really, really good. Gordon Sargent, number one amateur in the world, by the way. Playing the U.S. Open, finishing up his round... He beat all the other, I think there's three other amateurs, and he
2: beat them that, that by made the cut, I think. There right, were right, right. Nine either nine or like fourteen total that played in the tournament. And he beat them all. Including Brendan Valdez, the Auburn golfer, but he did not have a great weekend.
1: Yeah, and most of them didn't. And he actually played pretty well, did Sargent. He's finishing up the seventy second hole, U.S. Open on eighteen. He's got what, a four foot putt to finish up for a par on eighteen and get out of there and and enjoy his first ever US Open. Steps up runs it in, goes into the back of the cup and bounces out, okay? It went in the cup, bounced out and lipped on the side. He was dumbfounded, couldn't believe it. He walked up, tapped it in and I said immediately, I called it. I said, there's something wrong with the cup. A ball doesn't just do that. That doesn't just happen. About 30 minutes later when social media was going ballistic as they should, turns out the USGA came out and made a statement. Turns out the group before them one of the caddies, when he picked the flag out of the hole, had actually knocked the cup off of an a- out an angle just a little bit off of its alignment down in the ground, and it was lipped out, and the ball hit the inside of the cup and bounced out on Gordon Sargent. He bogeyed the 18th
2: hole. Yeah, I was I was watching some golf people talk about it on Twitter, and I think one of them said that the there one that kept coming up was uh, Joe Daly on what used to be the Corn Ferry Tour mm-hmm. had that happen on the final hole where if he makes the putt, he gets his PGA Tour card, did not get his PGA Tour card there. Yeah, and luckily for Sargent, it didn't
1: cost him any money because amateurs don't make money. But imagine if that was the winner yesterday. Oh, it would have been It would have been on. We'll talk some more about that later on, but we'll talk some Auburn football recruiting when we come back here on On The Line.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes into our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. I think we just realized that the Stanford pitcher right now is the same kid that threw. The ridiculous amount of pitches I, I can't was it one fifty six or one sixty five or, or I think something one fifty six something around there where he threw just a ridiculous Still amount of something pitches
2: that never should have
1: happened. No, I I'm a hundred percent with you. Uh, but I think we just realized that that's who uh, this is. Quinn Matthews is that is that the same pitcher? I think he's through four and two-thirds, and uh, Tennessee trying to, to mount a comeback, Stanford on top four to one uh, with the College World Series on. But we'll talk some baseball coming up a little bit later because I do want to – I know we talked about it just a little bit in our best and worst things of the weekend, uh, and we'll talk some of the uh, the games going on around Omaha. But do want to talk about a massive, massive weekend once again for Auburn football recruiting here on the plains, and it was another big weekend. There and it's, some...
2: it's continued into today. Yeah,
1: it has. You're absolutely right. And uh, again, there were big names, there were big, big stars, uh, just so many. Uh, valuable players that Auburn is going all in on to try and go after and and we just can't express enough the the credit that is given and has to be given to Hugh Freeze and the staff and so want to talk about all the guys that were here where they stand where we think they'll go how we're feeling about all this right now we'd love to hear from our listeners on the phone line they're open 334-321-1390 on what was yet again another successful weekend for Auburn football recruiting and I don't think you can start anywhere else than the five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson who has been committed to Alabama for a long long time and he came to Auburn he's been here a couple times but he was here for his official visit Mm -hmm. this weekend and he gave a quote that says Auburn and Alabama are pretty much even
2: yeah I mean that that's that's kind of the vibe that you get when you look at um his visits, the amount of times that he's come to Auburn, um, you got to be encouraged by just the effort level that this staff is putting in with guys like Perry Thompson and other names out there. I think is this is somebody that Auburn is going to scratch and claw all the way to the finish, and I don't know exactly when he plans. I know he he may have given a time where he, he plans to have a final decision. He I
1: said he wanted to do it like a week before his high school season starts, yeah, so ha- we're coming NBA. up a month and a half, two months from that. So uh, I don't know if he's given an official date or not, um, but he he said he wanted to commit right before his senior year. And here's the quote. He said, they're right there talking about Auburn. He said, I'd say right there with Alabama is where Auburn sits. Now he is an Alabama commit. And so you would have to get him to back off of that and commit to Auburn. But it seems like Auburn has pulled all the strings and they've done everything they can to, to convince him, hey, this is where you want to be, not in Tuscaloosa on the other side of the state. And the fact that Auburn, A, is even able to get in the door with this kid, but B, seems like you're just about even with Alabama, what a miracle that is for Hugh Freeze and this staff.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who would be a difference maker. I think he'd be the best, the most talented high school receiver to come into Auburn in Dag him near twenty years. Uh, I mean, you could put I mean, him. I you I, could I'd put, I'd put him in him, ever. I'd put him above. Well, I don't think it's ever. I mean, I think you got you got some names. Way There's back some in names, the day. but this guy's Ter- this guy's like, a stud. Terry Beasley was in Auburn, Alabama. All out brawl for that battle <laughs> to 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 get Fair. him a guy who is what a two three time All American, mm-hmm. uh, the best receiver in Auburn history. But this is a big one because this is. I mean, I think that the, the, he's more talented than any of Auburn's recent uh, receivers that they've brought in. I mean, I think he's more talented than Sammy Coates, Duke Williams. We can have a conversation about that, but he was also a junior college guy. Um, Definitely more talented than Nate Craig Myers and Kyle Davis when you brought in two guys who at one point in the cycle were were five stars. Mm -hmm. But this is huge, and this is a really big body. 6'3", 6'4", 205 pounds, uh, out of Foley, Alabama. Um, it'd be big to go get a recruiting win going toe to toe with Alabama, uh, and there's nobody right now you can make a bigger you can make bigger waves with than Perry Thompson in this class. And the only person you, in my mind, going toe to toe with Alabama, you can make bigger waves with is Ryan Williams because I think he's the best receiver in the country. Regardless of class, Mm -hmm. in that 25 class, I think he's the best player in that 25 class, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And, And you look at Perry Thompson, according to 247, the number 14 overall player, number five wide receiver, and number two player. From the state of Alabama, who is in Auburn this weekend for his official visit, and says the Tigers have pulled even with Alabama when it comes to where he wants to play college football. And he had a Facetime call uh, with DK Metcalf. Yep, I was just about to say that he uh, Hugh Freeze. When I say they pulled out all the strings, they pulled out all the strings, and Hugh Freeze allowed Perry Thompson to sit down with a with a cell phone and have a Facetime call with uh, DK Metcalf, who's pretty successful at what he does in the NFL as a wide receiver and has had some pretty big moments in college in the NFL of course he was coached by Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss and so when you're able to say hey here's an NFL wide receiver that I just I just happened to coach up and and he had just happened to come from from me and go be really really good in the NFL sit down and talk to him for just a minute that's what he got to do this weekend so pretty big string you're able to pull if you're Hugh Freeze with Perry Thompson on campus let's get to the phone lines once again 334-321-1390 Terry you're on the line man what's up
4: Hey guys, how's it going today? Going good, good Terry. Right, Terry, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Jake Carter, um, just out of curiosity, guys, where do you guys stand on when a guy's committed to taking his other schools? Because I'm, I'm of that sense. He's not committed if he's doing that.
2: I mean, I don't think it's necessarily fair for that, just because of the 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 era that we're in. Guys wanna, want to want uh, to go out and experience other places, and I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, if I can get a uh, I mean, especially now when they have unlimited uh, official visits. <clears throat> if if I can go get a free trip to Los Angeles or somewhere else, or or I mean, really pick my trip and go have a free all expenses paid trip somewhere, I don't. Yeah. I don't I mean I'm not going to say no to that. I'm not going to blame yeah, the kid I mean, for, seen, for, for for taking visits.
4: I see your point because. The word committed definitely lost its allure in this society, but that's at the same time, if he was committed, he sure ain't committed now if he says that.
1: Right, and, and you know, I'm. you have guys... I'm with you on this one, I am. Yeah, there's two ends of the spectrum. You have the, the Dabo Sweeney's of the world, where if you commit to Clemson, you do not take visits anywhere else, and if you do, then you're out. They're not even going to take you on the roster. I think that's a little excessive, especially in today's society, like you mentioned, Terry. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll admit... If I'm a head football coach in the Southeast, if I'm Auburn or Alabama or whatever, and a guy like Perry Thompson is taking visits, not only taking visits, but to your biggest rival, I'm worried. I am I am scared they about that. Be.
4: Yeah, because you're free to say, hey, Nick Saban, Alabama, I'm here. Yep, you better believe it. He,
1: he is putting his flag in the, the ground.
4: You. I'm going to be more aggressive than Gus Malzahn, and, and uh, Centipede can be more aggressive than Harsin.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so, again, it you can't blame the kids for taking the visits because I think that's a really important part of being a big-time high school recruit, whether it be football, basketball, whatever it may be. I think it's a really big part, and it's enjoyable for, for the kids and the families to get out and see different schools, I mean, go to different states they may never even been to, right? I mean, I think that's a really important part, but at the end of the day, if I'm a coach, especially with a guy like Perry Thompson, you better believe I'm worried about it.
4: Yeah, let me, let me, along lines of what Ed was saying, guys, I, yeah, I don't know how old you are, I'm 56, but I just don't remember players having the amount of say-so in coaching decisions they once had. I guess they've always had some say-so, and rightfully so, but it seems like now, like out, like out in LA, you know, LeBron's going to say who's going to be the head coach, period, end of discussion. Yeah. And I just don't think that, I just don't think that's right, I just don't.
1: I've always said the NBA, and I don't really mean this, but I kind of do at the same time. NBA head coaches, there are some that are really, really, really good. Steve Kerr, excellent head coach in today's world. And this—and I'm not talking basketball in the 80s and 90s, Terry. I'm talking in the 15s and now um, in the 2000s where NBA head coaches nowadays are good maybe not as much now but like five years ago glorified babysitters man that's what they were because you're exactly right lebron james runs whatever team he's on kevin durant runs whatever team he's on i mean you just saw them they just built another super team around him right i mean this the nba is really really bad about that nfl is not as bad but yeah the 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 players and the superstars have a lot more say in 2023 than they did in years past
4: Players in all sports have all the say, and that's I just—I just don't know. I mean, you look at a great coach. I mean, Eric Spolstrom, who I always thought was a pretty good coach in Miami. Yeah, yeah. you know, and 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 he's discounted for a large part, I think, because of some of the players. But he's—I mean, every every coach is one with great talent. I hate it when somebody says that. Well, he have got better talent. Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan. Well, who hasn't got good talent in the NBA? Yeah. It's just to be honest, has, I mean, just who they're has all more. great players. Yeah, they're all great. just you have more. So, and the same thing can be said for football and, and, mm-hmm. and baseball.
1: Yeah, and I, so. unfortunately, I just think more than ever, and, and I would really have to sit and think about why this reason is, but more than ever, the coaches and a, and a head coach and the coaching staff are at the mercy of, of the players they just are they're they're scared to lose them whether it be in the nfl sitting out or the nba getting going in somewhere else or in college football where they just threaten to transfer coaches are at the mercy of the players and what they want and you have to be able to give in but not give too much and there's a fine line there
4: and you're going to see a more evident college up real soon if not already yeah it's just basically billionaires and millionaires going at it I
1: mean, yeah, that's, that's appreciate, it, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Terry. Good to hear from you. It's a way, it's a good way to put it. I mean, it's just more than ever. It seems like that. It, it doesn't matter what level, because at any level, you can just get up and go anywhere. And if you're not happy, cool. I'll go somewhere else. And and that's pretty much whatever level. And I just think that's that's what it comes down to when you talk about that conversation. Is coaches are at the mercy of the players more than they ever have been.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, and I, I think that um, it's just the way that sports have kind of transitioned to this point in time.
1: We'll feed that into the Perry Thompson conversation. Yeah.
2: He's a recruit, but
1: Nick Saban and, and, and Hugh Freeze, especially in recruiting, are at the absolute mercy of a recruit. He holds all the power. Perry Thompson holds all the power. He can do whatever he wants, right? And and credit to him for being as good as he is, but that's just where recruiting is, right? He gets all the power whatever he wants, either one of those schools are going to give it to him, whether it be money or, or, or whatever it may be. I mean, whatever he demands, as long as it's obviously within the rules, they're going to give it to him. And so
2: you think about that when he's within a... Rec- reason. You, you do have to fill out your entire class. You can't... Well, yeah. If you've got a, a, an NIL reservoir... That you can dip into for guys, which is the way this works. Let's make no, like if-ands or buts about it. This is just the way the world works. Now, you can't burn it all on a guy like Perry Thompson, and I think I think Alabama knows that. I think Auburn knows that as well. And so he's got talent, and he's got the power, up to the point that uh, both sides are like, yeah, it's a little too rich for my uh, blood. Yeah, and. I think – I see what you're saying. I think with a guy as big as
1: Perry Thompson, I don't think either school would get to that point, especially – I think Auburn would even think, be I in think, the worst I think spot.
2: Alabama, I think Alabama would get to that point sooner than Auburn would. I, that's
1: exactly what I was going to say. I think Auburn has more – I say this with like quotation marks. I don't mean this literally. They have more to spend to get him because they have more to gain. Alabama, I feel like their mindset, yeah. which is what it's been for the last 15 years under Nick Saban, has been – oh, that five-star didn't choose us, don't worry, we'll go get another one. I don't think that's going to be the case for the next five or ten years, but I still think they may be in that mindset where, because they've done that for so many years, they didn't get that one five-star, so they just go to the other five-star and he commits to Alabama, they don't worry about it. Auburn needs a guy like Perry Thompson. They would gain more from Perry Thompson than Alabama would.
2: And I 100% agree, because it it's a perception changer. Mm-hmm. If, if Auburn goes and steals Alabama's five-star receiver commit, then you're talking about, oh, wow. These guys aren't messing around. These guys are for real. If they can do this before any games are played, imagine when they start winning games. Imagine what they can do once these relationships at the high school level are built up because they're still not all the way there. But if that happens, Alabama never wanted him. They They, they didn't actually want him. It's hard to say that about a five-star receiver who's been committed to you for a long time but you know what's coming you know what's coming your fan base is on twitter trying to clown auburn for some of the videos from the from the visit which i have no issue with any of them if if you want to make fun of the the flex and yell into the camera video that everybody saw there's a video out there of nick Saban doing what the cha-cha slide somewhere (laughs) on uh in some recruits house Here's my
1: thing. What? Who cares what you do? If the kid's enjoying it and the coaches are enjoying it and it's working, who cares? I, did, I had no problem with it. I thought it was a cool video. I really did. I thought it was a neat idea. And you can't tell me that the player isn't enjoying it. And you can't tell me the coaches aren't enjoying it. It's better than what Brian Kelly did at his first year at LSU. It's a lot better than that video, which I still didn't think was all that bad. I think that was blown out of proportion too, but... No, I I think with with all of this, that's a good that's a good coming together of these conversations. Where a guy like Perry Thompson, five star wide receiver who was on campus this weekend, talked about Auburn, really really enjoyed his time here, made him feel special, was told that he could be a DK Metcalf type of player, an AJ Brown type of player at Auburn, and with proof of those guys in the NFL that played under Hugh Freeze. Man, there's just not many guys that can offer that. And Nick Saban can. Don't get me wrong. There's been some great wide receivers that have come through Alabama that are still playing on Sundays this year. But the fact that you can come to Auburn as a Perry Thompson 5 star wide receiver and play right now, you will play the very first snap of the yeah. season when you walk on this campus in 24. There's not a whole lot of people that can promise all of that, and I think that's where Auburn is is just going all in on this guy, but that's where he holds a lot of power against Auburn as well.
2: And, and I do wonder, when you think about that, getting on the field, but also legacy. Let's talk about that with, with Perry Thompson because you know, you know what high school Perry Thompson's at. Foley. Why does that stick out in your mind for an Alabama receiver? Because that's where Julio Jones went. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to compare him to Julio Jones. Everybody wants him to be Julio Jones. Everybody wants him to go to Alabama and be another one of those Five-star stud receivers that Alabama has had. This is a daggum shame to say, but Auburn doesn't have anything like that. Auburn hasn't had Auburn has two thousand-yard receiving seasons ever. They have a handful of All-Americans, most of which were back in the '60s and '70s. They haven't had All-Americans since the '90s, I believe, at receiver. You want to talk about legacy? setting a standard, Perry Thompson can do that at Auburn. At Alabama, he's just another guy. I'm with you. And I think that is what – I think that's a huge leverage point
1: for Auburn. I really, really do. I think it was a huge leverage point this weekend – and it could be a leverage point in the next two months when he decides to commit to either Alabama or what seems to possibly be the Auburn Tigers. We'll take a final break here at hour number one, give you an update on this crazy game going on in Omaha between Stanford and Tennessee as we wrap up hour number one. Phone lines continue to be open. Give us a call. It's been a great first hour so far. 334-321-1390.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at espnau.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Wrapping up the first hour here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Go Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Got a couple of minutes left and to uh, update you on what's going on in Omaha. We'll talk about all the games in Omaha coming up in uh, to start hour number two. Uh, we'll we'll start with uh, with all those and then talk some more recruiting later on. In the hour, but what's going on right now in this elimination game? Stanford and Tennessee. Stanford went up four nothing. Tennessee was able to get one back, and then in this fifth inning that just ended, going to the bottom half of it, uh, Tennessee was able to load them up, and they are uh, now tied at four apiece in this elimination game.
2: Tennessee is not losing this game. That's just what what I'm going to tell you right here, right now. Okay. They they scored. They were down four nothing in the fifth. Loaded up the bases. Sack fly. Scored a run. Loaded the bases up again. Uh, single score to run and then you saw another single score too they have 10 hits 10 hits in this game to Stanford's four in five innings mm-hmm. wow they are going to wear this Stanford pitching staff down Tennessee is gonna live to fight another day I can almost promise you that
1: yeah and Stanford's in their bullpen now too and so uh, Tennessee look man they can they can hit I mean we've we talked about that all year they can hit the baseball and if you wear down a Stanford team that the bullpen is not elite, in my opinion, then, yeah, I think I think Tennessee has a good chance to to move on. Credit to Stanford, though, for getting out to that lead. They needed it, obviously. Uh, they had to get out to that lead to sort of hold their own, and uh, they now are tied going to the bottom half of the fifth inning. Uh, Carter, before we get into the second hour, talking about all the games in the College World Series, I had mentioned earlier that coming into today – All the games except one were decided by just one run. In Omaha, you had... Oral Roberts and TCU by six to five on Friday. Florida walking off Virginia six to five as well. Saturday, you had uh, Wake Forest coming back and beating Stanford after the delay, three to two. The only game that wasn't a one-run game was LSU beating this Tennessee team
2: six to three. Which is the product of just Paul Skeens being a freak of nature. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, yeah. Let's be real. Skeens is the best pitcher I've seen at the college level ever.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. To watch him,
2: I think he threw 40 something pitches so over 100 miles an hour. Shouldn't be able game. to do
1: that. You shouldn't be able to do that. Not in college, but he did it. LSU, they play again tonight. We'll talk about all the games that happen in Omaha this weekend coming up in hour number two.
0: The following is an Auburn Network production.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody, as we get underway in our number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird here in the ESPN 106.7 studio. If you missed anything from our number one, had some really good conversations, I think, that were sparked by our listeners and callers. and so uh, We talked some Auburn football recruiting with Perry Thompson the five-star wide receiver that was on campus this weekend uh have not yet gotten to uh the other big names that were on campus and so we will talk about that coming up here in hour number two but we talked about that in the first hour Uh, we talked some we talked some racing in the first hour we had an interesting conversation that uh about players and their voices in in sports and how much louder it is and their impact and their say in each individual sport are really, uh, a really just a unique conversation so if you missed any of that in the first hour be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it one of two ways either go to espnau.com and click on the podcast center or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be uploaded commercial free right after the show today but coming up here in hour number 2 I do want to talk a little Omaha uh, with the college world series at it is uh, continuing on right now with Stanford and Tennessee. Uh, if you missed any of the games, we'll get you caught up on what happened over the weekend. Talk about uh, the games coming up today and tonight, and throughout the rest of the couple of days. And then we'll talk some more Auburn football recruiting. No Jacob Hillman today. Uh, we gave him the week off. He uh, he uh, had a few things to take care of, and so we will hopefully talk to him again next week of the Auburn Sports Network. But phone lines are open. All of our number two. Give us a call. What's on your mind? What conversation do you want to have? We'd love to hear from you at the number of 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 and Carter will start this hour as I mentioned talking Omaha College World Series I gave this stat a couple of times in the first hour and I just think it it really encompasses what is happening in the College World Series all games but one this weekend coming into today were decided by exactly one run and I think that just shows how much fun and competitive it's been so far in the college world series
2: yeah I mean this is a really really fun college world series you've got a bunch of uh intriguing matchups that have already happened that Virginia Florida game was good Oral Roberts has had a couple comebacks one came back and won uh Shout out Carl uh, Ravich for a tough uh, home run call in the top of the ninth inning. And hey, he man, said, Hey, it, it happens. That's a walk-off home run and just stuck to his guns and doubled down. And it's like, hey, uh, it's the top of the ninth, so that's not possible. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> they came back and won one game. Uh, second game, they came back and came just short against Florida. Um, it's been a lot of fun. You've had a lot of comebacks, a lot of intense games, including this one right here where you've got – Tennessee and and, uh, Stanford tied at four. Tennessee was down four to nothing and have come all the way back here uh, and might be threatening. We're going to... Ooh, I don't know if we're going to call that... I think it got him. It did get him. I don't know if we're going to call that... He didn't make an effort to get out of the way. Uh, I'm really curious. Yeah, well, I think, I think he's going to stay on first.
1: I think he is, too. Well, you look at what's happened over since Friday when the game started. You talked about Oral Roberts, the four seed, uh, just the, the the true Cinderella story coming into Omaha. They win their first game beating one of the hottest teams in all of college baseball, TCU. Then Florida, you mentioned them as well, walking off Virginia on Friday night. Then on Saturday, Stanford was up on, on Wake Forest. They were up on them up on them, up on them. Then there was a delay. Then Wake Forest came back and did Wake Forest thing. Stanford was able to keep it within one run, but Wake Forest did come back and end up winning that ball game. Then the only game that was not decided by one run was Tennessee and LSU, and... We didn't expect that one to be close because of Paul Skeens, who is the greatest pitcher uh, to probably ever put on a college uniform and is going to be a stud when it comes to Major League Baseball.
2: He's so good, man. Uh, I saw there's some debate now about, well, if you look at the Major League Baseball standings right now, uh, you've got the Pittsburgh Pirates are in the thick of it right now with the, in the NL Central. Uh, just two and a half games back of the Brewers. Speaking of which, by the way, when's the last time we had an NL Central that stacked up in this order? The Mo- Milwaukee Brewers, Cincinnati Reds, Pittsburgh Pirates, then the Cubs, then four and a half games below everybody, the Cardinals. Yeah, it's it. besides the Brewers, it's
1: pretty much turned over on its head right now.
2: Yeah, I mean there there's two the two central divisions in baseball right now are so bad. They're so bad. But there's some discussion about if the Pirates were to take um, Paul Skeens, could they plug him into the bullpen immediately? And I think you very easily could because I think he's that special. Uh, I'm I'm with you. If you gave him, if you told him, hey, thirty pitches, blow it out. I'm curious what that fastball would touch. Will we start to see 103? Will we see higher than that? I don't know, but if you just told him to go be as nasty as possible for 30, 40 pitches, that's really intriguing, especially for a guy who consistently goes to 120 right now for this LSU team.
1: Yeah, he's just unbelievable. And again, it just seems like every time a team has to play Paul Skeens, you pretty much just throw up the L and you just you just live to play another day because nobody has found out how to consistently beat this guy and how to get hits off of the speeds that he's touching. Uh, it's just unbelievable. And so LSU beat Tennessee 6-3. Uh, to three. That was on Saturday night. Then uh, yesterday on Sunday, you had TCU and Virginia in the elimination game. That was a one-run game. TCU winning that one 4-3. to
2: three. Mm-hmm. And then Florida uh, beating Oral Roberts 5-4 to four in the winner's bracket game. I found that stat on Skeens that I was talking about earlier. So when he threw against Tennessee, he was 123 pitches, 12 strikeouts, 46 pitches 100 plus miles an hour holy smokes that's insane that's unheard of like there's some guys who can touch 100 in the college world series but for him to do it as a starter and do it on over a third of his pitches absolutely wild do you worry about that that he's throwing that hard that fast that often I mean, at some point he's probably going to have some sort of elbow issues, but I think that's the case with literally every pitcher right now. Seems like it.
1: Yeah, it seems like it in today's game of baseball. And so uh, I guess it just depends on how how long he's looking to play and, and if he can stay healthy or and avoid any elbow problems, God forbid, of course. But, yeah, he's just, he's just unbelievable, man. And the fact that he threw, you said, 46 pitches over 100 miles an hour in a – over 120 pitches performance that's unbelievable his first
2: strikeout of the game by the way was on a 102 mile an hour fastball what do you do by one of the best leadoff hitters in college baseball in Maui Ahuna for for this Tennessee team a guy who was the top transfer in the transfer portal this past year when he left Kansas what do you do Uh, I mean college look college baseball players are great they're talented what do you do on a 102 mile fastball? I don't know, fastball? especially at college, I don't know. But here, he, here's the velocities of the first seven pitches of the game against Tennessee. 100, 100, 100, 100, 101, 101, 102. Seven fastballs to get the strikeout. Well, he started out slow for him at 100 miles an hour. Exactly. And then he sped it up. That's just bonkers, that's man. That's ridiculous, man. I mean, that's... <laughs> and it doesn't even look hard no that's it, the thing. It, it doesn't thing. look like he strides that far down the mountain. that's when the he big does
1: thing it. for me it looks effortless man it looks effortless for Paul Skeens he just stands up there and just like he's throwing in the backyard
2: he struck out seven of the first ten I, I remember I was watching this game when it started and I was like oh my God, this is filthy! It's unbelievable,
1: man. He is so, so good. And so, yes, LSU did beat Tennessee uh, with Paul Skeens on the mound. Shocker, I know. Uh, you had I, I mentioned the games yesterday: TCU beating Virginia in their elimination game, and then Florida beating Oral Roberts five to four. Credit to Oral Roberts, man. Graham said it earlier. They're playing some ball, like they are playing some baseball and hanging around, and they. They didn't fall over and die. They have not come into this thing as a fluke. They are a solid baseball team, uh, and they play TCU tomorrow uh, to stay alive. And so credit to them. I think you got to shout them out. Right now, Tennessee and Stanford playing in their elimination game. It is tied up at four. Uh, Top of the sixth inning, Tennessee threatening, though, with runners on first and second, two away. Uh, And then the game tonight, could be one of the best ones you see the entire tournament. LSU and Wake Forest tonight. Uh, that will be at 6 o'clock Central Time on ESPN. Really, really looking forward to that one, Carter.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's we're going to get so many more really good games. Uh, and they're just – it's going to continue because I think that, that you've got really competitive, competitive teams that uh, have kind of gone through the ringer of the season – and know that they always got to fight, and that's what you've seen with Tennessee. That's what you've seen with Oral Roberts. But this LSU-Wake matchup, I mean, I certainly feel like uh, you got to feel confident if you're Wake because you're not seeing Paul Skeens. Uh, but this LSU lineup can absolutely mash. You've got the other guy who's going to go on the first two picks uh, in Dylan Cruz leading a lineup that has plenty of power, plenty of... Uh, X-Factor Bats, Trey Morgan. Trey Morgan and Tommy Tanks are just two names of guys who've hit a ton of home runs in the postseason. Uh, Wake Forest on the other side, they've got absolute dudes on that lineup. Like They've got two dudes coming into the College World Series who their OPS on base plus, plus slugging was over 1,350. <laughs> That's stupid. That's just dumb. I mean, I think the whole lineup except for one guy. Hits or their OPS is above nine hundred. Nine hundred is is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one that one guy who wasn't, I think he was hitting like three ten. He just was a kind of singles doubles guy, and that's yeah. About
1: it. And, and that's the thing with that Wake Forest team is there's just no there's no easy outs in that lineup. There's no easy out anywhere. There's no you can't take any pitch off against any batter. There's nobody that when they walk into the batter's box, you're like okay. All right, guys, relax. We got one. There's nobody on that Wake Forest team, man. They all can hit. They're all effective. They all get on base and they all make an impact on the offensive side. It's just, yeah. it's unbelievable. And that's why, look, that's why they're the, the consensus number one team. It's why they're a favorite to win this thing. Credit to you, though, my friend. You called the Florida Virginia game on Friday to be a really, really good one. And it took Florida to walk it off in the bottom of the night to do so. Mm-hmm.
2: So credit to you. And that Because that that Virginia team's so good. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's man it's so crazy that that but yet they go 0 for 2 and they're out yeah and and if you get a if you just get that win against florida how different would life be would you have been able to get uh a win against oral could you be 2 and 0 i mean with all these one run games it's razor's edge we're talking about wildly different paths for these teams mm-hmm. and and that's i think that's going to continue to be the the, the storyline here i mean as you've got this game in the sixth inning tied at four you've got two top five teams taking each other on tonight it's look it's just I'm so excited i I love this part of the year uh, where kind of your NHL your NBA they're kind of out of the limelight now because the Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals they're done. Well now everybody can kind of pay attention to Major League Baseball but mainly the college world series that's taking place right mm-hmm. now because we are 75
1: days away from Auburn football kicking off and so what seems to be a long way away it, it's right around the corner but you're absolutely right right now in the middle of June on this June 19th you have baseball you have baseball to pay attention to MLB and college and you have a great game coming on tonight LSU Wake Forest And then tomorrow, I think, is going to be a lot of fun as well with TCU, Oral Roberts, two teams that are really talented, playing well, and just can't seem to be killed at any point, right? I mean, just won't die, it seems like, that these teams just stay alive, hang around. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow, TCU, Oral Roberts as well.
2: Yeah, these were, what, the two, probably the two hottest teams coming into the College World Series. Mm -hmm. TCU had to go on a heck of a run to make the postseason and then they continued that run all the way to Omaha. Oral Roberts has lost like one game in the past like two, three months or something. Like just stupid numbers. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow when that game gets going. And we've got the double elimination games tomorrow. So you got got uh, TCU, Oral Roberts, loser goes home. And then you've got the winner of this game taking on the loser of LSU Wake. Could probably be staring at a Tennessee... LSU rematch where this one sends the loser home.
1: With no Paul Skeens. So yep. that would be that would be the even bigger story. Well, it would be the storyline right there with a win or go home situation. Getting a lot of fun there in Omaha. We'll update you as it goes. We'll talk some more about this tomorrow. Let's get to our first break, though, here in hour number two, because when we come back, if you missed us talking about it in the first hour, we have some more things to say on the best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend. Carter, I know you and I have some worst things we need to talk about when it comes to sports this weekend. And if you have anything, our wonderful listeners come on in and join us we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend when we come back
0: you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502
1: All right, question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We teased it before going to break. We talked a little bit about this in our number one, best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend. Uh, We've been doing this on Mondays uh, for a while now, and it it is a lot of fun trying to uh, just talk about everything that's going on in the world of sports. Uh, We talked about the best things we saw. You talked about the Braves offense, which I completely agree with. You talked Uh, about...
2: One-run games in the College World Series? I
1: did. I did. I think that is fantastic. It's great for the sport. It's great for the fans. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun in Omaha. But now it's time to talk about the worst things we saw in sports this weekend. And I think you and I are pretty similar on this one,
2: Ben. So I want you to start this one off because <laughs> I, I I do have a wrinkle or an addition to mine that I haven't put in there yet. The U.S. Open this weekend,
1: I talked about one of the worst things back in the first hour was the... Was the lip out on eighteen for strange or for um for the amateur sergeant. Uh, sergeant? Excuse me. Yes, same letters almost. Um, with sergeant the amateur. I guess yes. Right. Okay. He had the putt on eighteen that went into the cup, hit off the back of the cup, and lipped out because the caddy before them. They don't know who it was. I'm sure they could figure it out, or maybe it, they. It just, was
2: somebody in that group, was what was said. Yeah, somebody probably in one group. of the caddies. because right. The caddies. The players don't really mess with the with the flags Correct. Uh, at tournaments.
1: Yeah, but somebody in the previous group, when taking the flag out, they messed with the cup. It was tilted, and the putt for Sergeant the amateur on 18, the 72nd hole, to save par and get out of there, it went in, hit off the back of the cup, and lipped out because the cup in the hole was messed up. So that, was, that made me really mad. Didn't really matter. He wasn't in contention. He wasn't making any money. He's an amateur. Still didn't like it, though. The other worst thing I saw was just the U.S. Open in general. Yesterday, the Sunday of a major, with some of the biggest names in golf playing, that, Carter, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating to you or any of our listeners, that may have been the worst round of golf I have ever
2: watched on television in my entire life. I don't think that's fair. It was terrible. The pin locations were set up in a way that made it really difficult to get close to the hole. And uh, yeah, I mean, you. It saw... was horrible. The pin locations were
1: terrible. The crowds were bad because the L.A. Country Club didn't allow, but only forty five hundred people in there, and most of the members bought all the tickets, and they weren't worried about getting any more. So the crowds were bad because there was nobody on the grounds. The rough is, is its own thing. But the players just didn't play well, man. They didn't play well. Nobody could hit it in the fairway, and nobody could make a a reasonable putt. That meant anything. It was a bad round of golf all around.
2: Yeah, I felt bad for, for Rory. It's the second time in the last calendar year we've seen him be right there on Sunday at a major and just can't buy the big putt. I mean, he had the two best putts of the day, to start the round mm-hmm. where he's putting from 60, 70 feet, and then he's putting from 80, 85 feet, and he put one one hit the lip of the hole and lipped out, and the other one was to three inches. And so I was like, oh, man, if he's putting like this and he can hit some greens, he's going to win this thing. He just couldn't. I think his longest putt that he had that he made was at the very end of the round. He made like a seven-footer to save par. You're not going to win doing spot. that. I mean, is this? it was carbon copy the same thing as the Open last year where he did not make... He did not one putt and, and a green the entire Sunday and ended up barely losing. Same deal. Now, when you look at this round, Wyndham Clark, look, he played well. Credit to him. Absolutely. He played, uh He was aggressive, maybe too much so in certain spots, uh, and he did enough to win, and good for him. But I thought the course for the whole week was too easy. We saw scores get too low too quickly. I mean, you saw... Tommy Fleetwood, if he doesn't just choke a five-footer on Sunday on 18, he would have posted the third-ever 62 at the U.S. Open, and all three would have been this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was something that I just thought the course wasn't great, the environment wasn't great, because apparently the LACC members bought up about half the general admission tickets. That's a rumor. And uh, the majority of the tickets were for like hospitality, like corporate people, which you're not going to get a great environment with that. I hope they don't go back to LACC. I thought it was a bad showing by, the, by that, that Aren't course. they scheduled there for like 2036 or something like that? Did I see that? They might be. I don't know. But I know the U.S. Open is scheduled all the way out to 2051. Um, I hope they don't go back there. But I want to also bring up this worst thing I saw over the weekend. Jordan Love, what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? He thought he was being clever. He but thought he wasn't. He was trying to, be, he's he's not. trying to be like Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers could trash talk Bears fans really well. Uh, Jordan Love saying, Happy Father's Day to all the Bears fans out there and thinking he did something creative. Your quarterback might be an idiot, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Look... <laughs> I hated we it. We had when to bring this up. It. We had to bring this up.
1: I hated it when I saw it so bad because He called Bears fans his father. Yeah. Yeah, he he's an idiot. <laughs> In this situation,
2: he was trying to be clever. That video got deleted, but ble- don't the Bleacher re- Report graphics still out there. Few people screen re- recorded. I saw the video after it got deleted and I was like, "Oh, wow." Yeah. This guy's this guy's a goober and yeah. doesn't know how to uh effectively trash talk yeah he was ta- he was trying to here's what he was trying, he was trying to, to say i am the father of bears fans which is weak considering he's what never started a game against him. which is done he's done nothing
1: because aaron Rodgers used to be able to say that because it was and true was aaron Rodgers was is told bears fans in soldier field i own you And I love it. I loved it so much. And he had every right to do that because the Packers with Aaron
2: Rodgers owned the Chicago Bears. All Jordan Love had to do was be like, oh, Bears fans, do you have anything you want to tell me for Father's Day? And it would have played. It would have been cringy, but it would have played. Jordan Love had nothing to do with that. Instead, he looks so dumb, and he's going to get clowned so hard when, when the Packers go to Chicago this year. And I hope you're ready for that. He's going to get really rattled, and he's going to throw three picks in that game, and you're going to lose by 21 to a team that cannot move the ball on offense in the sh- Chicago Bears. Um, and apparently they have their own issues with like Chase Claypool, can't learn the playbook, even though he's been there for a year and a half, or almost a full year now. Yeah,
1: I'm not ready. Well, you know what makes it even better? is not only does Green Bay go to Chicago this year. Do you know when they go to Chicago this year?
2: I don't. They go week one. They start the year in Chicago. Heck yes. Yep. The atmosphere is going to be so great and the 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 entire crowd at Soldier Field should pull a what? New York Yankees with Pedro Martinez? <laughs> And chant who's your daddy when he comes out for the <laughs> for the first possession of the game the entire- if the entire crowd in Chicago doesn't do that, you're gonna be disappointed
1: yes <laughs> yes, I can I'm with you that that would be good. I could laugh at that as a Packers fan because
2: because Pedro had that famous quote where he was like, "Uh, like the Yankees like call them my my daddy they're they're <laughs> they're dominating me, and then he comes out to pitch uh the next time he sees the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, and the entire The entire stadium. Who's your daddy? And it's awesome. It's one of my favorite sports moments ever. I think I have more confidence
1: in New York fans to pull that off than I do Chicago fans.
2: Especially in baseball, I don't know, but, but they've been beaten down by the Packers for so long, and they finally have hope for the first time in forever. I think you you might you might see them get it get it organized.
1: And I don't even think their hope is because of the Bears. It's just because of the Packers. <laughs> it's because Aaron Rodgers is no longer their true father is no longer there. And yeah, that. That was bad. I figured you'd bring it up at some point. So yeah, just... It had to come up. Keep that in mind. It's embarrassing. Not only does Green Bay play in Chicago this year, they play there week one. So you better believe the Bears fans are going to remember Jordan Love. If he doesn't have the game of his life, he's doomed. (laughs) Like, he is doomed week one in Chicago. And so that was definitely one of the worst things that I saw this weekend as well. But to get back to U.S. Open really quick before we go to break, it... I was just disappointed, man. I was disappointed in the Sunday round. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. It was boring. Nobody played good. And it wasn't – they couldn't hit fairways and they couldn't hit putts. And you know at LACC, if you're not in the fairway, you're doomed. That's all there is to it. So those are the best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend. We'll talk some more Auburn football recruiting coming up after the break.
0: With Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika's Sports Leader.
1: Thirty more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. Carter was he was watching the video during the break of uh, of the I'm Yankees to, back I'm in trying, the trying day. to get to it because it's just
2: it takes him a while to get there <laughs> when Pedro comes in
1: yeah they they gotta they gotta start somebody had to start the chant and then new york did their job and uh they 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 said the things and so (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure chicago fans will find a way to to heckle jordan love when he returns to chicago in week one after congratulating them on a happy father's day this weekend so it was weird whatever i tried not to think about it since that's apparently the future quarterback of my franchise but Let's talk some Auburn recruiting because we talked about some of this in hour number one. Want to come back to this here in hour number two. And we'd love to get your thoughts on this. 334 321 1390. We talked a lot about Perry Thompson in the first hour, the five star wide receiver uh, who is committed to Alabama. He was on campus this weekend for his official visit. Everything seemed to go really, really well. Yep. Um, it seems like Hugh Freeze and staff pulled out all of the strings. They did everything they could uh, to impress this kid. He, from what he said and what I've been told, he loved it. I mean, it just seems like he had a really, really fun time here. Uh, the pictures and videos would show that, and his quotes would say that as well. As when he was asked about where Auburn stands in his recruitment compared to Alabama. He said Auburn is right there with them. He said they have basically pulled even and they are right there with Alabama when he tries to commit in a couple of months.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, man. I, I think that Auburn's made great progress with guys like Perry Thompson. We saw what they did with, with Joseph Phillips. It was unbelievable the way that they were able to change his mind within 48 hours of his announcement. By the way... From what I've heard, I think he was on campus this weekend to help recruit the guys on campus. And as great as this weekend was for getting Perry Thompson on campus and making an impact with him, the offensive line on campus, that's what really excites me. You had three-star offensive lineman Khalil House, who, yes, he's a three-star. I know that that may not pump everybody up in the world but I think he camped at Auburn the week before and had a great camp. And I think they called Hugh Freeze down to come watch a couple of his reps. They were he impressed sat by there. him. He sat there. He watched a few reps in a row and then said, offer him and walked away, which is just dope by the way that's just sick that's an (laughs) incredible way to do that love that you had Malik Blockton the three-star defensive lineman he was on campus I think Auburn sits in a great spot for both of those guys but it's the other names on the offensive line that uh, I think are going to be really intriguing four-star offensive lineman Casey Poe I think Auburn's in that Uh, will be in that all the way to the finish I think it's going to be a battle and I think some people may be sleeping on this Auburn team in that battle, DeAndre Carter, the four-star uh, offensive lineman from uh, California, which you know Auburn doesn't go out west all that often to go land these guys, he came on campus and he said, "Look, Auburn shot to the very top." He said it went really good. He loved it a lot, and you know it's his first time being there, and it was an eye opener. And and when you look at how it's a family-oriented place and how much he loves the coaches and their energy and the, and the program. Um, yeah, I think Auburn made an impact there, uh, and I think Auburn's going to be in the thick of that. And the fact that this is somebody that everybody thought he was going to commit to USC, he went on his visit to USC, did not commit, I think Auburn's in the thick of this and will be there at the very end. You also had, uh, I believe it was Preston Talmua. Uh, the Hawaii offensive lineman, another four-star guy, he was on campus. Uh, he said it went well. Again, another guy who cited it was a family-oriented place. They treated him like family. I think he even made a connection to being being like, "Hey, besides Agam- Agamawa, are the the new tight ends coach at Auburn? Nobody hears Hawaiian, but he's like." They made me feel like I was back home in Hawaii because it, it like family's so big where I'm from, and they were all about family, which I think is huge. I think this is somebody who wants to come play in the SEC, and I think when it's all said and done, that might turn into an Auburn Alabama battle for a kid from Hawaii. Which how about that? Mm-hmm. That never happens, right? Never ever happens. And look, I think you've got you've got some. You With Agamawa, with the connection that he's made with um, Tawamua, and the the impact that Hugh Freeze and Jake Thornton had, Auburn's going to be in the thick of that. And so I think, look, Auburn continues to do the little things on the offensive line. I think Auburn's got a chance with all three of those four-star offensive linemen on campus, a better chance than I think people think. We're talking about a class that could really come together and fall in line if you start landing those – those four-star offensive linemen to fill out the trenches, start landing some guys to fill out the defensive line, and then you go get a Perry Thompson, and then you go get a Cam Coleman. We're talking about a class that very easily could get really special. I mean, we know you're in it for guys like K.J. Bolden, the five-star safety. It's you versus Georgia, it sounds like right now. We know you're in it for uh, Demarcus Riddick, the five-star linebacker committed to Georgia. It's an Auburn-Georgia-Alabama battle. I'd be a little surprised if he left the state of Alabama. And look, I mean, Auburn continues to make an impact. And when they're talked about in this manner, when it's such, when the reviews are raving and they're so glowing, word spreads. And then guys are like, maybe I need to give them a second look. Maybe I, I kind of wrote them off when Brian Harson didn't know my name when I visited them in 2022, but... Maybe I need to go back and see what this new staff's about.
1: And that was a big concern with us. Talking on this show, I remember it, was how long would it take for the damage? And it's still going on. We had that discussion a while back, too. But how long would it take for a a big-name player? Take anybody on this list that you just mentioned. The four offensive linemen, a defensive lineman, the Perry Thompson wide receiver. I mean, take any of those guys, for example, that had come to Auburn before had written Auburn off because you know that visit that just borderline sucked right that was a crappy visit they didn't know who I was didn't pay me any attention it was a waste of time right then you had the coaching change it is really really difficult and if there's anybody out there that's had a teenager you probably understand this it's really hard to change a teenager's mind when when you lay a bad impression on them if they go on a visit and they didn't feel like it was worth their time or they didn't have fun It's going to be really, really hard to convince that 18-year-old to give somebody a second chance when it comes to things like this. And that was a concern was, okay, if Auburn did happen to bring a big guy on campus and you did not impress, what was it going to take to have him reconsider? And Auburn is slowly and and more rapidly as we go – picking up on that and fixing that problem because you're getting these guys who were on campus before back on campus. And not only are you getting them back on campus, you're getting them here more than once, three, four, five, six different times. They're all talking together. And I don't know if you've read or heard anything, but what I've seen and heard and the people that we talk to, of course we have our people that come on this show and on this station in general, I have yet to hear that somebody came for a visit to Auburn And just hated it. Which, not that that gets reported a whole lot, but like, nobody... You don't hear the horror stories anymore, right? There are no horror stories of, yeah, this kid came here and nobody talked to him. He just kind of stood off to the side. You don't hear those things a whole lot anymore.
2: Ironically, the... (laughs) The one player who may have had, for whatever reason, a less than stellar visit on one of his trips is Auburn's four-star... Running back, commit. So that's just... Yes. When you, when you bring that up, there was that, that one visit that he was like, yeah, it was a little too crowded, and he didn't seem to love that one. Uh, okay, but he's yeah. on the commit list. He is so, on the commit
1: list, but that was because there were, like, three times the amount of people that were supposed to be there, right? Is that what you're referencing?
2: Is that weekend when, yeah, when there were, like, tons of people showed up? It was the junior up? day when there was, like, 200 people that showed up, <laughs> yeah. and, and he didn't like that there were so many people on campus. Understandable. Uh, which, okay, like... Sorry, they're recruiting too well. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: But I, I just think it's it cannot be understated that everybody that comes here, and that's something that I, that I wanted to talk to you about, is the similarities that we're seeing when it comes to recruits after their visits, whether they're talking to uh, our guy Christian Clemente at Auburn 247 or any of these different sites around town, all of the comments and reviews are great. They are great for Auburn. Really enjoyed my time. Made it feel like a family. Really enjoyed hanging out with the guys on the team. They made not just me, but my brothers and sisters and mom and dad feel really special. Hugh Freeze is a great stand-up guy. He gave me his phone number today. I FaceTimed so-and-so. I was here for the whole weekend. Like They told me what I'm going to do here, what I could be here. They're building all these special... Like This is a special thing. Those are all common quotes and sayings from not just one or two recruits, from just about everybody that steps on this campus, whether it be official visits, unofficial visits, camps, seven on sevens, you name it, if a high school player has stepped on this campus in the last ten months, they've had nothing but raving good comments to say. And I just you cannot, you cannot understate that from what this has turned from and what it is to right now. And you mentioned Four offensive linemen on campus this weekend. You had Perry Thompson, five star wide receiver. You had a defensive line. You also had a safety on campus as well for 2025. Um, just it's nonstop, man. It is nonstop. We continue to come into a new week and talk about just the big names and the amount of guys that are on campus every single weekend.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it's continuing today. I mean, uh, Jalewis Solomon is on campus for his official visit. Uh, if that name sticks out to you at all, that's because he is the little brother of um, Zikevius Walker, who is on Auburn's roster, one of, uh, the, the, one of the defensive linemen that's going to play a key role on this defensive line going forward. I think he got caught up in a scheme that didn't exactly fit him all that well the, the past couple years. Uh, but I think he's gonna have a much bigger role going forward. He's also, I believe he's, is he Marlon Davidson's half brother? He's somehow related to Marlon Davidson as well. Zeke Walker is, uh, but Jalewis Solomon is a four-star athlete, corner uh, on campus, and that's that's you've you've got a tie there. If you can go land him, um, then that's another blue chip player to this class. Uh, and I think the more Auburn can kind of leverage those, those family and personal connections that they have, the better. I mean, and that's going to be a theme going forward for the, the next few years. I mean, we talk about Ryan Williams, the Auburn legacy. Can Auburn get back in the picture with him? A guy that was not here this weekend,
1: but another huge five-star wide receiver that Auburn is going after, uh, Cam Coleman, five-star from central Phoenix City. We know that's just right down the road. He trimmed his list down to eight today, uh, just a little bit ago, actually. He trimmed his his interest list down to eight. Clemson, LSU, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, Kentucky, and Auburn. Auburn is... We knew that was going to happen. We know Auburn is very well in the mix for a guy like Cam Coleman, but Auburn did make the top eight, and you're you're battling with Clemson, LSU, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, and Kentucky. Uh, he has taken official visits to Clemson, Auburn, and Texas A&M so far, uh, and I believe he's heading to LSU either this weekend or next weekend. Um, so, that's exciting to know that Auburn, not only did you have a five-star on campus this past weekend, the one that's already visited, he's trimming his list down as he goes, and Auburn's still in the running for Cam Coleman.
2: Yeah, I mean, Auburn's going to be all the way there to the finish, and I think you're going to get – it's going to turn into a uh, one of those knockdown down drag-out battles at the very end. Uh, but that's a key one. Just like Joseph Phillips being just up the road from Auburn, Cam Coleman – might be the most important piece still on the board because of what it would mean to go to Central, to land a five-star, a place that Alabama and Georgia and Clemson have had a lot of success. You can go land him to be the centerpiece of your um, wide receiver class or maybe even the co-centerpiece with Perry Thompson maybe yeah, you could have something really special, and you can, you could, that would be another one of those needle-mover um, decisions that would put Auburn in a great spot to continue to build out the class. I don't know exactly when Cam Coleman wants to announce. Uh, I have not heard anything on that, but the sooner Auburn can get him on the board and, and use that momentum, if they can get him on board, the better. I think it's going to be
1: around signing day. It could be on signing day for him for, for yeah. Cam Coleman in December. So uh, he is uh, according to 247s rankings, number 11 player overall, number four wide receiver and the number one player in the state of Alabama in 2024. This is an interesting note. I forgot about this. He was the first um, he was the first one to get an offer from Marcus Davis when he took the receiver job. I forgot about that. he was the first one. That that Marcus Davis reached out to was Cam Coleman, and yeah, you're absolutely right, rightfully so. And he has trimmed his list down to eight. That came out a little bit ago. I wanted to uh, to mention that before we get to break. Auburn in the top eight for five-star wide receiver Cam Coleman from Central Phoenix City. Auburn along the likes of Clemson, LSU, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, and Florida State, and Kentucky. So Auburn continuing to put in work and build, build, build for 2024. We'll take our final break. Come back, wrap it up. Here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Wrapping up the Monday edition of On The Line. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. It's been a great show today, huh? It's been a really, really fun show. Some uh, unique, intriguing conversations that we've had sparked from some of our listeners. We've come up with a couple of ourselves as well. And so, if you missed any of our show today, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways. ESPNAU.com or just search On The Line wherever you get your podcasts. It's posted immediately following the show today. Commercial for Again, wherever you get your podcasts or ESPNAU.com. Carter, you brought up a graphic during the break that I think I have seen, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm lying. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I saw it though over the weekend about Auburn Athletics being the fourth most profitable athletics department. Is that what you told me?
2: Yeah, in 2022, apparently Auburn is the fourth most profitable athletic department behind Indiana at 30. $4.37 Four point three seven million dollars, uh, Georgia at thirty four million, Ohio State at twenty four point nine, basically, and then Auburn at all uh, right at about twenty three million. Uh, that is four and a half million ahead of Alabama, who is four spots lower. Uh, and I am a little shocked. I'll be honest, I, I I am I am shocked. But then also, I started thinking about ways that this could have happened. Uh, and I know Auburn didn't spend anywhere near to what Alabama and, um, and Georgia spent in recruiting. Part of that's probably because Brian Harson just got in his car and drove to Auburn High uh, to go watch his son play every Friday, and his other half his staff wouldn't go on the road as well. Um, I'm curious to see how that changes, because I'm willing to bet Auburn's going to spend a heck of a lot more on recruiting going forward. And if that's the case, hmm, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, But you would like
1: to think that because of that, you would get better results on the field, which would then bring in more money for the football program, mm -hmm. which we know as much as you like it or dislike it, you can't argue with the facts that college football at a university brings in 90% or whatever
2: the number is of profits when it comes to college athletics. Speaking of uh, recruiting spending, last year, this is another thing. Auburn was 16th in recruiting spending at $1.31 million, just behind Arizona, Maryland, Washington, Penn State, Rutgers. Oh, my gosh. Alabama spent $2.32 million. Auburn spent $1.31. So they were um, over a million dollars more. Georgia, for comparison. 4.51 million. Sheesh. So take that, take that four or five million, that three and a half million dollars or whatever it was that you had more than uh, Alabama in revenue for your athletic department pour that into the recruiting spending and put yourself on par with Georgia and let's see what happens I'm just curious yeah that's
1: interesting there should never ever ever be a world carter where Rutgers spends more money than than Auburn does in football recruiting can we just all agree on that real quick yeah that should never ever happen
2: <laughs> 100% I mean AM 2.98 million Tennessee 2.92 million Te- Oklahoma 2.63. Where'd you find Texas those 2.44. The- these are uh, an on three article from a couple weeks ago, I okay. believe. Okay. Interesting. Uh, from back in April, actually. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just in front of Auburn, there's one, two, three, four, five, going to be six and seven SEC schools when Texas and Oklahoma join the conference. I don't think that's acceptable for Auburn. I think Auburn's got to be ahead of Florida. I think they've got to be ahead of. Uh, you got to be up there with Tennessee, I think, around that $3 million mark, and I think you're going to see a huge spike with Hugh Freeze just from an effort perspective. And, I mean, heck, if they're going to go out and see some of these guys on the West Coast that they just had on, on official visits... That right there is going to gonna bring the spending up a little bit. And they're not flying Spirit Airlines,
1: brother. No, they're <laughs> You not. better believe it. Hey, and you know the old time saying, you got to spend money to make money. And I think Auburn football is going to find, they're going to find out they got to do just that when it comes to recruiting in the high school ranks. Check out the podcast, ESPNAU.com. Come back tomorrow, though, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.